Good morning. So many faces that are familiar. It's so good to be with you again. Can I just take a moment and boast on your pastor, if I could? How many of you love your pastors in this house? Um, we had him down to share with, at our church here a few weeks ago, and he blew the doors off of our congregation. He brought a word that was right in alignment with God's heart for our community. And I just want to tell you that we love Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene and are so thankful to see such amazing uh, men and women with God's heart leading a vibrant, alive, joy-filled church. And so whenever we have an opportunity to be with you, the answer is yes, and then we pray about it. We say, yes, Lord. Oh, by the way, did you want us to go, Lord, right? Because we love being with you so much. And so uh, it's been a really, really good weekend for those of you that have been a part of our marriage conference, uh, and it's going to continue to be really, really enjoyable this afternoon and this evening. But this morning, I get to continue in the series that uh, you have been in on relationships. How many of you have had your relationships blessed so far from this series? Raise your hand to me. Say, nah, I, I always do raise your hand. Say amen if you've been blessed by your relationships. Got to make sure that I'm, I'm being uh, wise with my words this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to continue in this series on relationships. And uh, if you would allow me, I would just love to pray for us this morning before we jump into the word. Lord, we do bless you this morning. And we thank you, Father, for the great joy it is to be ones that are known by you. I ask, Lord, that this morning that you would release great understanding over our hearts, no matter where we are at as individual people, Lord, or where we are at uh, in our emotional state or our mind, Lord, that this morning that you would move with great power and clarity and that you would wash over our hearts this morning and we would be more like you when we say amen and leave this room. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So you're in this series, this A-E-I-O-U people, right? The A-E-I-O-U people. I have to, I have to adjust my mouth to that A-E-I-O-U. It's been a little while since I've, I've said that. But I love, I love the mission and the passion of this church. And I got to listen to Pastor JB's message last week. And man, what a powerful message on boundaries. Really important when it comes to relationships. To, to be ones that not only are living in humility, but understand what God's heart for boundaries are. This morning, I want to I wanna take and, and add one more piece to that bucket this morning. And it's very personal to me. This topic is um, one that I thought I understood for a long time. It's, it's a word that I have heard a lot, and, um, and I realized it took me about 10 years of being a Christian before I actually realized what that word really meant. And I'll never forget where I was when I was flying across the Atlantic on some ministry, and I had a dear mentor of mine who gave me a book, and he said, I want you to read this on your plane trip. And I'll never forget where I was sitting as I'm reading through this book. I'm having this moment before the Lord that maybe you've had before. Where you know the word and you thought you knew a topic. But then as soon as you're just sitting there, it's almost as if you come to this understanding, I never knew it. 
I've known about it. I could have preached on it. But as far as living in the revelation and the transactional power of the gospel through it, I just, I, I, and I started, to, I started to tear up, you know. It's always funny when you start tearing up on an airplane because people around you are like, what's wrong with that guy, right? I just became a hot mess very quickly because I realized I knew something in my mind But as far as my heart and my life, I had a long way to go. Let me just start here with you this morning. Simply this. True biblical relationship starts all right here vertically. It starts with our vertical relationship with Jesus. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2 says to us. And you were dead. Everybody say dead. Yeah, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. What Paul is telling us, he's saying, listen, all of you were not closer to Jesus than another person in this room. We were all dead. We were all bound up in the course of this world. And in my summary, my last name's Hippie. The Hippie translation is this. The devil was your daddy. That's what I hear in verses 1 and 2. And it continues on, and he says this, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What we see Paul saying here is that he's saying, listen, when I was outside of Christ, I was as far away from Christ as anyone else was. And he continues on, he says, but God, the two most powerful words in the Bible right there, but God. So you come in this morning, and maybe, maybe you've known about Jesus, but you've never had a relationship with Jesus, and you're just thinking about the laundry list of things that you've done wrong. I did that to that person. I did that to that person. I did this to myself. There is no way that he would love me but God. He says, but God, being rich in mercy. Being, this word mercy means actively compassionate toward, disposed to love the other, to be one that is exhaustless in its abundance. It is a mercy that is an otherworldly mercy. It's a mercy that's not fabricated from a human heart. It is this ongoing, loving relationship. It's rich in mercy spending everything on an undeserving party, that he would see me when I was 22 years old, heavy drinker, look like the world, completely broken in a million pieces, and that he would see me and he would say, I want that one. I want him and I want to become his father and I want to walk with him. There is nothing that I did It is what he did for me that I'm able to say I am a son of the living God. You see, he's rich in mercy. And he says, because of great love with which he loved us. Aren't you you thankful that Jesus, he doesn't love you because he has to? It's not obligation. He loves you because it's this overflow of his very heart. Even when we were dead in trespasses, we were made alive together in Christ Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, he wants to make you alive. Uh Uh-huh. He wants to make you more alive than you ever have been. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And he raised us up with him, seated us with him in um, in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace, which is 
grace is the foundation of our hope. He says, the grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of, um, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift from God. You see, what Paul is saying in verses 1 to 10, he's saying, hey, listen, you can live that bucket. You can live humble. You can develop boundaries. You can, you can give your life away because, number one here, it's all about a vertical relationship with Jesus. It all starts vertically. And then what he does is he says, I'm going to give you the great joy to extend that to one another. How many of you are married in this place? It's important to remember for any of us that are married and then any of us that have any friends is that it all starts here. It's remembering that I am an object of grace and mercy and when I on a daily basis realize that it is a Christ in me, the hope of glory, then I can extend a supernatural level of humility, life, and mercy toward another person. He continues on, it's a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do something. We have been given, what what it says is we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. You see, what he tells you and I is, is that we are to be like, we are to extend the love that we have received. Do you know the ultimate act of mercy was the Father sending his own son to die for you and I? Ultimate act of mercy. This is, this is what Luke 1, 78 says. Because of God's tender mercy, the light from heaven is about to break on us. And verse 79 talks about the light that comes into darkness. You see, the ultimate act of mercy that I don't know about you, I never want to become so familiar with the gospel that it, it loses its power. I always want to be a person that, remi- that remembers how far away I was when Jesus found me. Give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about this morning. How far and, and, and how bound you were and how hopeless and defeated you were, but God interjects because the Father in his goodness extended his mercy through the precious blood of Jesus that we would experience the ultimate act of mercy. And we're blessed when we live this way. We're blessed when we receive his mercy and we're blessed when we show others this mercy because he says God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. We don't know mercy until we extend it to another person. We know about mercy. We know that his mercy is for me, but truly I don't get to live in the fullness of that mercy until I extend it to another person when they wrong me. Give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever been wronged in this room before? How many of you have ever been belittled before? How many of you have ever been betrayed before? How many of you have been so hurt by another person that you had a bodily, uh, a bodily uh, uh, a response to it where almost you lost your breath when you found out? How many of you have been rejected subtly over a long period of time, misunderstood by other people? What the Lord is telling us is this. What he's saying is, I've extended this mercy to you, son, daughter, And you are blessed and will know the fullness of mercy as you extend it to one another. Wow! But oh, how hard that is. How easy it is to be the one that comes and says, well, I came in kind of prepackaged to this whole gospel thing. You know, I was a pretty good person before Jesus walked into my life. You know, I had a couple things going for me. You know how easy it is 
to have a faulty understanding of saying, no, I kind of I kind of had some things going. When the gospel clearly says, no matter how good looking you are and how well dressed you are, and no matter how much money you have or you don't have, we all came prepackaged dead in our trespasses. And it's because of the blood of Jesus that set us free. When we encounter that, do you know what happens when someone belittles us? We're able to forgive out of an overflow of our heart because, Lord, how could I do anything else? How could I not forgive you because you continually forgive me? But when I get in the way and I go, how dare they? I'm just so thankful that he does not treat me the way my heart sometimes responds when I get wrong. I'm so thankful that he's, he's one that, that looks at me and he's saying, I'm going to keep forgiving you and I'm going to keep washing over you and I'm going to soften your heart and I'm going to strengthen you to do something supernatural. And that's release those that have offended you. Release those that have hurt. Do you know what the other option is? If we don't extend mercy, you know the other option is? is isolation. Everybody say isolation. It's when we start becoming a virtual Christian. It's when we stop meeting with the saints and we start working off of the phone or, well, I'll just kind of tap into a podcast and I'll just, what happens is, is we start to isolate and insulate our lives and what happens is the enemy of your soul loves isolated Christians. Loves to feed on and devour. He's, he's like a roaring lion, Peter tells us, seeking to those who could, he could devour. Have you ever seen a National Geographic special of a pack of gazelles that are going out? The, the, the lionesses will follow them, just waiting for one of them to leave the pack. And then they leave the pack alone. And what do they do? They devour the one that isolated themselves. I want to tell you, if we don't extend the mercy of God, what happens is the tendency is to become more isolated, more protective, and we just say, I just can't trust anyone. I've, heard, I've had people say this before. I trust God, but I just don't trust Christians. Now, don't turn to your neighbor right now and say, that's me, okay? Don't turn to your neighbor and say, that's me. You see, he extends mercy to you and I. Have you ever heard of a woman named Corey Tenboom? Corey Ten Boom, a powerful woman of God, and she um, was in Holland and while the Holocaust was going on, and her and her family were Christians, and they started to house um, Jewish people and to protect God's people. And what we see is throughout history, what we see in her story is they, they saved many, many, many Jewish people from uh, being sent to the concentration camps. Well, someone betrayed them to the authorities, and her and her whole family got sent to Ravensbrück, which is a, a labor camp, and she ended up there for, for women, and her, her sister, her very flesh and blood, dies in front of her from emaciation, and she somehow gets set free out of a clerical error. Somehow she got freed out of there, and then she went right back into helping the mentally disabled to be protected from the, the, the Germans and the Nazis. And what happens is the war ends, and she's in the basement of a church in Holland, and she's sharing a message on forgiveness. Everybody stands up and quietly leaves, and there's a man that walks down the center aisle, and that man... She all of a sudden, while he was in his normal dress, all of a sudden she sees immediately that it was the prison guard, the head prison guard that killed 
countless numbers of her friends and family members, and he's walking down toward her. He does not recognize her, but he comes forward and he says, that was a very good message, and I want to tell you, I was there at that camp, and I want to ask you, would you forgive me? And he extends her hand out, or his hand out to her, and she looks at his hand, and in her, in her recounting of the story, she says, it felt like hours and hours and hours because I just looked at the hand. And I'm going through all the stories of all the th- ways that he mistreated me and abused others and, and the countless numbers that he killed, and I'm having this thinking going through my head. This is what she says. Literally, this is what her physical account is. She said, since the, since, since the end of the war, I had, I had, um, I had a home in Holland Victims of Nazi brutality, those who were able to forgive their former enemies, were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids, and it was all simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. And she continues on, forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. She says, Jesus, help me, as she prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the outstretched uh, hand in front of me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder raced down through my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit transforming me in God's love. You see, what Corey Ten Boom realized was the ultimate act of mercy is forgiveness. The ultimate act of mercy is the ability to extend what we have received through Jesus and to be able to forgive. I remember the first time. I remember the first time that I heard the statement that it is truly a Christian is the only person on the planet that can forgive. And I remember hearing that and thinking, wow, how can that be? And I remember this, this pastor sharing, because forgiveness demands a price. Forgiveness demands a price. Now, anyone can use the word forgiveness, but for a true biblical forgiveness from the heart, it demands a price that I've been on the receiving end. You see, a Christian can forgive because Jesus has extended his forgiveness to you and I, and we are then able to extend that forgiveness toward other people. While someone that's not walking with Jesus has never been, has never received the forgiveness over their life, so they're trying to give something that they have never received, and it's impossible. There's no human being on the planet that can extend the perfect Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, who died to take away the sin of the world. We have the divine transaction to supernaturally release other people in our lives. In order to have healthy relationships, we must forgive. The first point that I totally skipped over, I'm pretty sure, is this. Forgiveness is the ultimate act of mercy. Number two is this. Number two, forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. You see, Ephesians 4, 
says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members uh, one, of, one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good as building up fits, uh, and fits the occasion, sealed for the day of redemption. Read, read verse 31 with me together out loud. Ready, begin. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. To what degree has Christ forgiven you? To what degree and to what sin has he released you from the power of? As God has forgiven you through Christ, he says, do the same for others. It is one of the most supernatural miracles that we can do. If you came and had a funeral in this house and someone died and, and, and someone came up and laid hands on the coffin, and let's say that person raises from the dead, everyone would be amazed. Oh, a miracle has happened. But I want to tell you an equal miracle would be when a Christian is able to look at someone and release the power of the dead against them and say, I forgive you. Even if you don't understand what you've done to me, I forgive you. It is so Christ-like. It is so supernatural. And it, it is so tough because some of you, if we're just really honest, have seen things, have experienced things, that you would just prefer to act like didn't happen. The problem is, no matter how hard you run away from it, it will follow you. It will find you. Until we look at that and say, Lord, they did me wrong. Lord, it hurt. Lord, I'm not even, by forgiving them, I'm not saying what they did was right. But Lord, I forgive them and I let go. Whatever you want to do with the situation is between you and them, but Lord, as far as I'm concerned, I bless them and I release them in my life. Jesus is hanging on a cross talking to the Father and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. What kind of forgiveness is this? What kind of power is that to be able to be hanging on a cross? Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. I want to tell you, my friends, if you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to live in the vibrancy that's available, we must keep short accounts with one another. And we must take the step into Christ-likeness and to forgive quickly and thoroughly from the heart. It's in the realm of the supernatural. Matthew 6, 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wow. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow. Uh-huh, wow, wow. Now give him a high five and say, game on. Let's go. Okay, game on. Let's go. Right? Listen to what he said. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Think about that. So what that means 
is, is that if we're not extending the same forgiveness toward other people, it's stifling the forgiveness that's being extended to me. The Lord is really interested in raising up the church in these latter days to be ones that are just like him. And if we want to be like Christ, we must extend forgiveness rapidly because as these latter days that we're in, unto Jesus' return, forgiveness will be a building a platform for the kingdom of God to be advanced in the greater Richmond area, Vancouver area, unto 10,000, right? Is that what we're believing for? 10,000, right? We have to show them what it means to love one another. And the only way to do it is to be long-suffering and forgiving one to another. Do you know the word trespass is an unwarranted infringement, an unlawful act committed on the person or property? Number three is this. Bitterness destroys relationships, right? Bitterness destroys relationships. It, and in fact, you, you, I put a little assessment together here, uh, just a, a little bit of a few questions. Well, I, I've had people say, well, I'm, just, I'm not bitter with anybody. Um, and I'd say, hey, uh, that person that you, you say you have forgiven, if they walked into the door right now, what would you do? Oh, I would run out that door, I'd, I'd, I would jump through a window, and I would flee like crazy. You're like, and you've forgiven them, right? You're not bitter toward them. Or what happens when they call you? Well, I always go to the, I always send it to voicemail. I just avoid them like crazy. Interesting. Have you ever had a conversation with a person in your head or out loud when they weren't present? I always say, I always tell people, you know, have you ever been in the shower before and you're having a conversation and you're like, oh yeah, and then this, and then this, and then, oh yeah, take this, and you, you should have heard that, right? Oftentimes, these are all signs of bitterness. Let me ask some questions of you. Are you living in a level of isolation? Do you find yourself being a little bit punchy or edgy, you know, a little bit sharp, a little bit harsh? Any eruptions in anger? Someone give me an amen if you've had an eruption in, in, uh, of anger in the last month. Give me an amen. Yeah, praise the Lord, honest people. Right? What a gift. Why? So it's not, we don't want to celebrate anger, but what we want to do is say, why am I angry? Might be that there's a bitter root in your heart. How many people do you choose to sophisticatedly ignore? Oh, yeah, there they are. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know she's over there. I know where that person is at all times because it's like, it's like a tractor beam. Like, da, 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 da. I, just, I, just, I stay away. Bitterness avoids people, right? Um, how is my trust level with others? Do I experience confusion in my mind or oppression in my heart? How many people do I just tolerate or put up with? Do you have a track record of moving from one friend to the next? Very little consistency and commitment. Well, the Lord just called me away from that friendship. Really? Interesting. Now, I get that he can do that, but how quickly do we run away from other people when they, don't, when they do something we don't like? Now, a common denominator in marriage all the time seems to be, I think I know what's right. Every, the, the, the wife thinks she knows what's right, and the husband thinks that she's, he knows what's right, and if that, if that spouse of yours would just be more like you, then everything would be fine. You should be laughing if you're married right now because you know how silly that sounds, right? Because you don't want your spouse to look like you. Trust me, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a really bad situation. But what happens is when we look is, is, is we need to understand 
that those that are around us are there with different giftings, different, different um, thought processes, different passions, so they, we can function together. But if we are offended by them, then what happens is bitterness develops. Bitterness is a resentful cynicism that results in intense antagonism or hostility toward others. Sarcasm, belittling, I know best attitude can be guised for, hidden for years until some conflict brings it to the surface. Hebrews says this, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it, meaning give yourself to it, meaning don't expect it to just happen. You need to participate in the process. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes what? Trouble. Roots of bitterness will destroy relationships. What, we, what This root of bitterness, it's something that's unseen. It's something that's hidden. It's something that's repressed. It's, it's, it's private, could be stuffed. But the problem is, is a root of bitterness, though it's unseen, it feeds our soul and informs our minds and it fuels our motives. Bitterness, if, we, if it's just underneath there, while it's unseen, it has all these ramifications and all these different things. And what it does is it creates trouble, which, and by it, many have become defiled or poisoned. This means it poisons everything it touches, meaning you give me to talk about one bitter person and you put him in the midst of six people. It's like a bad apple. What happens is it wants to, it wants to spoil the rest of those apples around. Bitterness is so dangerous that we don't want to have even an inkling of it because even just a touch of poison in your drinking water, you would say, there's no way I'm going to touch that. Nelson Mandela has oftentimes been given the credit for this quote that bitterness is, is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. You see, bitterness gives you no control. In fact, what bitterness does is it spoils your heart and attracts oppression from the enemy in your life. Bitterness, even in an inkling of it, will come to poison. And I want to tell you that, that, that we don't want anything to do with bitterness in our lives because it will destroy. It's the emotional, it's a mental or emotional state that corrodes or eats away at, right? Have you ever seen, um, have you ever seen like a, a time-lapse picture of someone that puts metal or like a, a paper clip in a, a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi and it time-lapses and they dump it out, you know, a number of weeks later and there's hardly anything left Okay, kind of says something about drinking soda a little bit, right? But it corrodes it. It, it. it eats it away. That's what poison does, is it eats your soul away. Unforgiveness first thinks of what others have done to us versus what forgiveness does is first looks to the Lord and realizes what he has done for me and what I have done it, it toward him, what he has forgiven me from, and then from that place I'm able to forgive other people. Raise your hand if you have ever been publicly humiliated by people before. Raise your hand. Okay? Raise your hand if you would say, looking at your life, if there has been um, a, a high level of rejection in your life. Raise your hand. Okay? I want to tell you that bitterness will be produced in our lives unless we actively and proactively engage with the Lord and forgive those people around us. Number four is this. Forgiveness is essential for healthy relationships. Forgiveness is essential for healthy relationships. Let me read this to us, Matthew 18. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Well, Peter, you're still holy, right? 
No, Jesus replied, 70 times 7. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up, um, up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors who had brought, um, who had brought in, who owed him millions of dollars, he couldn't pay, so the king ordered that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, Oh, sir, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Turn to your neighbor and say, You owed millions. Yeah, yeah, say it to him. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, They owe thousands. Okay? Listen. He says, Then the king was filled with pity, mercy, active compassion, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat. Do you hear that? The violence grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And this servant fell down before him, begged for a little bit more. Be patient and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had, he had the man arrested, jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And the king, they told the king, and the king called him in. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In verse 34, the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid every penny. That's what the heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. Do you know what's interesting is the revelation that I had on that airplane that day were those three words, in your heart or from your heart. I realized anybody can say the word forgiveness. Anybody can recite a prayer. Anybody can go through a religious motion. But I realized that there were people in my life that I had not attached my words to my heart condition and say, Lord, it is well with my soul. I release them. And they don't even need to know, Lord, I forgive them and I bless them from the heart. You see, there's a difference. If you just say the words, oh, Lord, I forgive them, I release them, I forgive them, I release them, I forgive them, I release them. Anyone can say words. But the question is, is your heart attached to say, Jesus, you have forgiven me from your heart, and so I will forgive others from my heart. You see, the person who gains the most from forgiveness is the person who does the forgiving. By holding unforgiveness toward another person does not mean that you're controlling them. In fact, what it means is you're letting them control you. One of the most liberating things we can do for our relationships and the health of our relationships is to forgive and to forgive quickly and not to forgive like, like, like we're, we're somehow been given a raw deal, but realizing my cup overflows with forgiveness from the Lord. And so I can extend that overflow toward other people right? Because you know what the secret is? Is you need to be forgiven too. Someone give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. It's not like we don't sin against other people. It's not like we don't hurt other people. It's not like we, we walk around all, you know, have everything together. No, life happens. And so we need to forgive other people the way we want to be forgiven. And when we develop relationships of mercy in our marriages, mercy in our homes, mercy in our churches, where I'm able to extend forgiveness and overlook an offense, according to Proverbs, that's actually to, that's to my glory to overlook an offense, is what Proverbs says. To forgive one another, you know what it does? Is when you do that other person wrong, because it's just a matter of time, 
intentionally or unintentionally, you know what they'll do to you? Hey, just as he forgave me, I'm going to forgive him. What if Thrive Church was the most forgiving church in all of Richmond, Vancouver area? What would that do to attract the presence of God and more and more in our lives? Number five is this. Forgiveness is being aware of what someone has done and still forgiving them. Forgiveness is extending forgiveness, even acknowledging. Like I said before, when you forgive someone, you're not saying, hey, what they did was right. And you're not, even, you're, you're not even saying that I agree with what they did. What we're saying is I release them and I acknowledge the, all the pain involved. This is the only achieved when we acknowledge what he has done without any denial or covering up. Forgiveness is choosing to keep no record of wrongs, right? Because love does not demand its own way. Love's not irritable and it keeps no record of wrongs. As far as you're concerned, what if, listen, what if tonight you went to bed for the first time in a long time with no records of wrongs toward anyone? What if you went to bed tonight with no laundry list of offenses and angers and bitterness in your heart toward other people? What if you got to go to bed tonight free? What would it be like? Because love keeps no record of wrong. Love forgives. Love grants forgiveness. Love forgives to the point where it's so beyond me, Lord, I cannot forgive him. But you can forgive through me. So, Lord, I agree, like Corey Tenbo. Lord, I am agree and I forgive. Forgiveness is a choice, it's not a feeling, at least at first. But it is rather an act of the will. You see, God blesses the one who does away with pointing the finger and blaming others. Do you know in the Gospels, there's an account of a tax collector and a publican. And one comes and says, oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not like any of these people. Lord, thank you that I have it all together. Lord, thank you that my life is all put together. And then there's the tax collector that comes and says, oh, that you would have mercy on me. Oh, that you would come and pour out over me. It's the heart of the tax collector that forgives quickly. It's the heart of the tax collector that says, because I've been on the receiving end, I have no other response than to give it away. Forgiveness is refusing to punish. You know, in the human heart, so easy is I just can't wait until the rapture where they get it then. I just can't wait until they get what's coming to them. There's this, there's this revenge underneath of unforgiveness. You know what forgiveness is? Is refusing to punish them. It's being able to release that person and say, between you, that's between you and the Lord. It has nothing to do with me. I forgive you. And I am not going to be one that is a punisher because perfect love drives out fear, and fear has to do with punishment. Forgiveness is being merciful and gracious toward others. It's extending mercy. It's extending grace toward others. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Forgiveness is an inner condition. Its total forgiveness must take place in the heart or it's worthless. Confidence toward God is ultimately what total forgiveness is about. He is the one I want to please at the end of the day. How many of you want to please him at the end of the day? How many of you want to be, how many would you say in my life, I live for one person's opinion and one alone, and that's the, his opinion over my life. 
I want to be so like Jesus. And to be so like Jesus means to be so regularly forgiving. Jesus loved this man, Judas, that he knew was going to betray him. And he did not treat him with any evilness. He just continued to forgive him. You see, we, for our relationships, want to be forgiving. Can I tell you, this forgiveness also has to do with us. Receiving forgiveness over your life. You see, the times that I have had the hardest time forgiving other people is when I'm not receiving the forgiveness that's available to me. When, when I'm not coming into the courts of the Lord saying, Lord, I acknowledge I did this and I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness over my life. The times that I am not regularly receiving forgiveness is so hard to forgive other people because I'm just so angry with myself. I'm holding myself in such condemnation and self-defeat. If anyone knew, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punish myself, I'm going to teach myself a lesson, I want to tell you that today could be your day to forgive yourself. Today could be your day to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you afresh. Jesus, I say yes to you, and Jesus, I lay my sin before you, and I receive times of refreshing. I put down the hammer. I'm done beating myself up in some kind of false sense of honor. No, I put the hammer down because you're not beating me up, Jesus, and you've never asked me to beat myself up. You've just asked me to receive your forgiveness. So I no longer beat myself up. I put the hammer down, and I say yes to your forgiveness over my life. How many of you could use a little bit of forgiveness over your life this morning? Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we bless you today. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for inviting us into a, such a beautiful place, such a place of joy and liberty and life. Lord, I thank you that this morning you want to take the hammer away. Lord, I thank you that today you want to cause the hammer to be put down. No more self-condemnation. No more self-deprecation. No more self-punishment, Lord, that we would let go of that this morning. And we would come into grace and mercy and life. If that's you this morning, just tell him, Lord, I receive your forgiveness today over my life. I receive your forgiveness over my life. If you have sin in your life, just tell him, Lord, I give you my self-condemnation. I give you the ways that I've been beating myself up. I, I give you my, my thoughts of self-hatred and, and just defeating myself and diminishing myself, trying to punish myself so I'll not do the sin again. Lord, I am done and I put down the hammer. Just tell him I put down the hammer. I put down the hammer and I say no to it and I confess my sin before you. I confess my sin before you, and as Acts 3 says, that I repent and I, from my sin, I turn from my sin, that I would receive times of refreshing would come. I forgive myself, simply being, I'm appropriating the forgiveness that's available to me, and Lord, I forgive myself. Just tell Him I forgive myself. 
And this morning, some of us know that there's things that, there's people you're avoiding, there's bitterness in your heart. And you've been dragging it around and you're exhausted and you're wondering why you need to drink 12 cups of coffee a day just to make it through a day. And you're wondering why there's confusion of mind and you're wondering why there's relational stagnation and chaos. Just tell him this morning, Lord, I give you my bitter heart. I give you every way that I've been bitter. I give you every way that I've been offended this morning. And I want you to fill in the blank with the names. If it's a a friend, a co-worker, a spouse, a boss, a, a family member, just... Lord, we right now, this morning, we appropriate the forgiveness of Jesus. We say yes to forgiveness today, and we choose now to forgive them. We choose to give up the right to understand all the details around it. We choose to extend the power of the forgiveness that's being extended to us. They don't even need to know what they did. Lord, we're not saying it's right. Well, we're saying it was wrong, but I'm choosing to apply the blood of Jesus to it. And I say, they go free. They go free. They go free as far as I'm concerned. They go free. I let them go today. I let them go. I give them back to you today. They're in your hands, Lord. I forgive them and I release them. They do not need to know what they have done. They're in your hands, Lord. Forgive what they said. I forgive what they did. I forgive the ways they publicly maligned me. I forgive them for ritually hurting me mistreating me. I forgive them because you forgive me. Now would you just take a moment and bless them. I'm going to ask you to bless them to just oh that you would release God the fullness of your favor. That you would bless them and, and that you would surround them and overshadow them and that you would fill them this morning and oh that you would bless them. Blessing them is really the fruit of forgiveness. If you're able to bless that person, some of you would be good to write a letter. Some of you would, it'd be good to just pray for them on a regular basis. Oh, that you would bless them. And then Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would purify all the poison out of our bodies and that this, that this house would be a house that rejoices in forgiveness, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength And forgiveness would mark our relationships. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can we give Pastor Chris some thanks and give God a big hand for a powerful, penetrating, significant message this morning. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's respond to God this morning. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, we all need forgiveness. forgiveness. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that long before we ever thought about forgiving anyone, long before we were ever wronged or hurt by anyone, you saw everything that we would do to hurt others, and you died in the cross. You died in the cross, not for your sins, but for our sins, for my sins. Thank you for the amazing, unlimited mercy that you showed to me, such that there is no one in my life that I'll ever need to forgive in in a way that is more than what you've already done and forgiven me in 
And so I want to thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the tremendous mercy and grace that you express through Jesus Christ on the cross that gives us hope and power to forgive those who've wronged us today. We thank you, Jesus, that because of you, our relationships can be restored, that because of you, bitterness doesn't need to get in the way, that because of you, we can live free from bitterness, we can live in the, the, the hope of forgiveness, of forgiveness, having been forgiven and forgiving one another. We thank you for making that possible for us. Help every single person in this place to live in the power of forgiveness starting today. That their lives will be changed. Their marriages will be changed. Their homes will be changed. Their families will be changed. Their friendships will be changed. Their workplaces will be changed. Our city and our church will be changed by the power of your forgiveness. We thank you, Jesus, for the powerful, penetrating, significant message that Pastor Chris has shared with us this morning. And we give you thanks that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand and a big shout in this place together right now? Let's thank Jesus.